agriculture addresses a fundamental human need, the need for food. Businesses operating in the sector provide a wide range of food supplies to markets locally and internationally. But how do we ensure that the food that is traded is of good quality and remains safe for consumption? Hello, and welcome to Let's Talk Trade, a podcast by the World Trade Organization. My name is Kimonique Powell, a young professional here at the WTO and your host in this Overcoming Obstacles to Trade series. In this episode of the podcast, we examine the issue of food safety. This encompasses human, animal, and plant health standards in international trade. Specifically, we bring into focus the WTO's Agreement on Sanitary and Phytosanitary Measures, or SPS. Compliance with sanitary and phytosanitary standards can pose challenges to businesses, regardless of their size. You will hear from Francis Chamo, the Packles Manager at York Farms, a medium-sized agriculture export business in Zambia. Francis is joined by our in-house expert, Simon Padilla, from the Standards and Trade Development Facility here at the WTO. So let's talk trade. Simon, Francis, welcome. Francis, can you please tell us who you are and what you do? My name is Francis Chama. I am the Parkhouse Manager at York Farms, Zambia. Uh, can you tell me what a Parkhouse Manager does? So what is a Parkhouse and what do you do? What are your daily duties? The Parkhouse is a facility which is a part of uh, the York Farm of Operations. So uh, my main duties are to receive the produce that is coming from the field and ensure that it is uh, properly stored and processed and then packed and then taken to the to the market. I have also to make sure that the product being packed complies, meets the, the requirements of the market in terms of uh, product specifications. I'm also in charge to ensure that uh, I offer supervision to my subordinates to train them on how they should meet those expectations required in the export uh, business. Over to you, Simon. Can you tell us who you are and what you do? So my name is uh, Simon Padilla. I work in the Agricultural Commodities Division here at the WTO, and specifically the Standards and Trade Development Facility, the STDF, which is a a mechanism that uh, supports developing countries to meet international sanitary and phytosanitary requirements in order to help them to have market access. So Francis, can you tell us a bit about York Farms? How was this business started? What do you export and what are your main products? York Farm is a commercial farm which is specialized in the growing and packing of fresh vegetables and uh, losses for export. York Farm was established as a commercial farm in the 1980s, but was later established as a, a limited company when other investors and uh, the University of Zambia came in to pray. The company operates two farms. One is located seven kilometers south of Lusaka, which is the capital city of Zambia. And the second is located at 30 kilometers west of Lusaka in the rural areas. The company employs about 800 workers, of which most of them come from nearby compounds. York Farm mainly exports vegetables such as baby corn, chilies, sugar snaps, Munch too, and fine beans. And uh, the main markets for York Farm, like in the European Union, there's a uh, German and uh, the United Kingdom. We also export as far as New Zealand and in the 
sub-region uh, South Africa. Those are the main markets for, for York Farm. In the low season per week, we export 5,000. That is the minimum of export that we do, 5,000 5, kgs, which is 5, 5 tons on the low season. And then during the peak season, we export about 15 to 20 tons a week of fresh vegetables from May up to September. York Farm also subscribes to various food safety standards, and that is what has made it possible for us to stay in the business of exports. I know that York Farms has been in operation since the 1980s and, of course, has played a pivotal role in feeding the people of Zambia and, of course, the clientele in the international markets, like the UK, of course. Besides this tremendous success of having a business that has been in operation for 40 years, what would you say is a challenge that has radically shifted the way you operate today? There are a number of challenges that we face despite us staying in the business for so long. And uh, one of them is the high cost of maintaining international standards. We subscribe to various uh, standards, like the, the BRCGS. That is uh, a food safety standard, which is uh, mainly for the British. It's British Retail Consortium Global Standards. So this is a standard that looks at food safety, mainly, of the pack house. So it also looks at uh, the issues of uh, how we handle our product here. Is it produced in a safe environment? And does it comply to the specifications that are needed on the market. Is it safe for the consumer? That is the standard that checks on us if we are compliant on that. We have to pay the, the certification body to come and uh, do these uh, inspections. Uh, so that also is a cost on its own. The other challenge is the product rejections. As I've mentioned, at times we are required to send our products as far as UK, maybe by sea. And, uh, that is a, a long period of time for the products to stay along the way before it reaches the client. So at times when the product has been abused on the way, for instance, the temperature has been abused and the, the, the product has been exposed to high temperatures, it is likely for that product to go bad. I know one may wonder to say, how long does it take for that product to reach the UK from Zambia? Yeah, it takes almost a month to reach there. So how do we preserve that product? We have a special plastic that we call long life bag. This is a special bag that will keep the fresh vegetables for more than a month. So that is what we use to preserve uh, the vegetables across on the sea. But at times we face challenges when maybe the shipping line has challenges maybe of controlling the temperature in the container that we have used and the product ends up uh, destroyed when it reaches there. Maybe it ends up with a lot of quality issues and probably at the end it is rejected. We have experienced this, especially this year. We had a challenge and we experienced this. We have had a lot of rejections this year on our products sent by sea as a result of the same problems faced by the shipping lines. The other challenge, the control of pests. The control of pests has been a major challenge on our operations because every time there are new pests that are being introduced and then you have also to, to do some survey on those pests and put in some, some control measures. So the cost of putting on those control measures, it also has an effect on our business. Uh, although we are grateful for the Ministry of Agriculture here, they do come and inspect our fields and ensure that uh, the pests that have been identified are controlled using uh, different methods that are recommended to us. 
The final one that I would say has to do with the interceptions. When a product sent across maybe has been found with a problem, it is likely to be subjected to quarantine and then they may end up uh, just dejecting that product and destroying it before we even get anything out of it. But that was uh, way back from where we are coming from. As of late, we have had no such situations. So those are the, some of the challenges that we face in this business. So you've mentioned a lot of challenges and most of them are surrounding uh, sanitary and phytosanitary standards. Uh, you mentioned pest and disease control. Is there a specific case where a shipment was intercepted and having had to be rejected because there was a pest infestation? Yes, uh, that was around uh, 2016. There was a consignment of chilies which was sent across to UK and uh, it was intercepted and destroyed due to a moth, a moth which is a pest, which is called false codling moth. That is a pest that uh, mostly affects the, the fruits and the, the, the vegetables, mostly found in oranges and uh, chilies. So this is a consignment of chilies, which was almost 1,100 kgs, which was sent across to UK. And uh, it was uh, intercepted and destroyed because they found one moth in one of the fruits of chilies. False cuddling mutt, cuddling, as in C-O-D-L-I-N-G. You can find a photo and more information about this tiny beast in our show notes. Francis, is this false cuddling mutt something that we can see with our naked eye if we should examine that shipment of chilies? This one is almost invisible when it is at an early stage. You can't see the egg, but once it changes into a larva, it goes inside the fruit and uh, it develops inside the fruit. So it becomes difficult to even use some chemicals to control that. You are only able to see it physically when it comes out of that fruit and then develops into an adult, which looks like a butterfly. That's when you can, you can see it. So I wanted to bring our export, Simon, into the discussion. You heard from Francis. He mentioned that his exports to the UK were destroyed as a result of the false cuddling moth. For some of us like myself, who is a bit unfamiliar with the pest or even the severity of the situation, can you tell us why this shipment may have been destroyed? And in WTO terms, what sort of challenges does this represent? And why is it such a major issue? One of the multilateral trade agreements, which is part of the WTO system, uh, multilateral trading system, is uh, what is called the WTO Agreement for the Application of Sanitary and Phytosanitary Measures, the WTO SPS Agreement. And these SPS measures are really defined as rules and regulations that can be put in place by a country to restrict trade because uh, the final purpose of these measures is to protect human, animals, and plant uh, life or health from pest diseases and other um, organisms. However, there's also uh, the requirement to don't become uh, restrictions. This gives restrictions to trade. So the WTOSPS agreement is about facilitating trade. It's putting in place measures to protect, um, but also to facilitate trade. And the pest that uh, Francis was referring to is a really important pest that can be really uh, bad for the production of um, vegetables. So I think it is very understandable why some countries put in place this type of measures and they don't want these pests uh, get into the, their, their countries because that can be very dangerous for, for the production. 
Simon, you said that the WTO gives its members the right to institute these sanitary and phytosanitary measures. Are they the same across all countries or do they differ? Is there a scope for harmonization if that doesn't exist? Yes. So for the WTO, all countries have the right to put in place those measures to prevent the spread, uh, the entry of uh, pests, diseases. And these measures can take many forms. Um, it could be requirements uh, to products that can come from a specific area, from a disease-free area. It could be about uh, how to inspect some products, what type of treatment or processing has to be done for these products, setting, for example, levels of residues of pesticides or other uh, things for the product. But what is important from the WTO perspective is the final objective of it, which should be protecting uh, human, animal and plant health and life. And can I just come up with a method on my own or is it based on some scientific principle? So that's uh, also something that is a requirement from a WTO perspective. These measures should be based on science. Countries are free to put in place measures, but they have to prove that these measures are less uh, restrictive to trade and help them to get the level of protection that they want. Another thing that is also part of the WTO SPS agreement is a compliance with international standards. There are international standards that have been developed by other international standard setting bodies, such as the Codex Alimentarius, for example, for food safety standards, the International Plant Protection Convention, IPPC, for plant health uh, standards, and also the World Organization for Animal Health, for animal health standards. Those international standards are being developed by all the countries. So when a country put in place some specific requirements in accordance with these international standards, then we're talking about harmonization between countries. Thank you so much, uh, Simon. I wanted to go back to you, Francis. How exactly did you deal with uh, the pest infestation from the cuddling mutt? Did you get any sort of support from the government of Zambia? Did you do it on your own? Can you explain to us, please? The first action that we took on that one was first to go back to the field and then check how wide this problem was on the field. And when we discovered that uh, there were some which were being detected in the field, we had no choice but to destroy the whole field. We had to destroy the whole field for us to control this from spreading to other areas of the farm. And uh, this issue was brought to the attention of the Minister of Agriculture, which is the government, and they took interest in knowing what really happened. They visited the farm and did their own inspections. After they did their own inspection, it was their recommendation that we should destroy that section of our chilies in order to prevent it from spreading. And now they had to train us on how best we can go about this if uh, we are to resume exporting. Because at that moment, we were advised to just withdraw and stop exporting until the situation was, was controlled. So how did we control the situation? We had to maximize the trappings in the field, the pheromone trappings and the delta trappings were installed in the field. And uh, we did a monitoring, a monitoring in terms of um, the surveys that were, were conducted on the, on the crop. And now I am happy to say we are now able to export chilies. As of now, we are exporting only to South Africa and we are yet to go back to UK to resume our, our exports. So the government did give us some help in how to identify and be able to control this moth. 
So Francis, can you tell us what you mean when you say pheromone trappings? What exactly is that? A pheromone trap, it is more like uh, a ball. When the pest uh, is flying around, they will be attracted to go to the ball there and then they will fall in, inside the, the ball and then there they will find the sticky stuff that you will be able to trap it from going outside. And then it is from the same pheromone trap that we will see how the pest has has increased on the farm because we will count the population of our pests that have been trapped in that pheromone trap. And then that is what will tell us how the situation is. The delta trap is like a sticky tape which is, has to be hung on maybe one of the trees around that field. And as the, the pests are flying around, they will get trapped just on that sticky material. So those are the two traps that I'm talking about. Francis, thank you for that explanation. Simon, you just heard everything that Francis told us about pest controls and SPS-related export regulations. It sounds to me like adhering to these sanitary and phytosanitary standards can be a bit of a task. Why is this so challenging, especially for businesses in developing countries? So firms in developing countries often lack uh, the necessary resources to seek information about foreign regulation that may affect their trade including SPS requirements. And they are extremely unlikely to be able to engage directly with uh, trading partners. It is uh, difficult for them to even get aware about the requirements of these importing markets. Is there any sort of support that the WTO offers to government like Zambia to help farmers like Francis and, and York Farms? Yes, there are some provisions in the WTO agreement that allow them to meet those, those standards. In the WTO SPS agreement, there is a provision for what we call uh, special and differential treatment. And that uh, was when this agreement was negotiated by WTO members, members recognized that it was going to be difficult for some uh, countries, and in particularly developing countries, to comply with the provisions of this agreement. There is also one other element in this SPS agreement, which is technical assistance. So it was also recognized at the time that the, some countries will need some specific technical assistance for to, for that, to comply with the provisions of the agreement, in particularly uh, developing countries, of course. And then if you look at developing countries themselves, small businesses face also more limitations uh, to comply with this provision. It's difficult for them to reduce uh, some fixed costs that are quite important for them, to comply with some uh, complex uh, trade regulation, customs procedures, documentation requirements, including SPS requirements. And this is where the Standards and Trade Development Facility, the STDF, steps in. Can you tell us a bit more about its mission and activities on the ground in developing countries? So the Standards of Trade Development Facility, the STDF, is a partnership that was established 20 years ago to support the uh, developing countries with the implementation of this um, SPS agreement. So the objective of the STDF is basically to support uh, build sanitary and phytosanitary capacity in developing countries. So there are many um, technical agencies that provide this type of support, but there are also some other bilateral donors and programs that also provide support in terms of SPS capacity building. So one of the objectives of the STDF was to coordinate these uh, SPS-related capacity building and technical assistance. And the second area of work of the STDF is to provide support through funding, through projects, to support uh, developing countries to meet those um, SPS uh, standards. And uh, the objective of these projects that the STDF is supporting 
is complying with the SPS agreement and meeting international SPS uh, standards. We have many examples of projects that the STDF is uh, currently supporting in all developing countries, in all the uh, regions, and in particularly in Africa. So a few years ago, we supported the plant quarantine department of Zambia to improve their phytosanitary capacity in order to provide a better service to users, to companies, to exporters, and to improve their capacity to export and to get into new markets. I think it is very important to understand and to see how the WTO has taken to account the needs of developing countries and by extension, businesses, small businesses, medium-sized enterprises that would potentially have difficulties with the SPS agreement through support from the Standards and Trade Facility, Standard and Trade Development Facility, technical assistance and the like. I want to turn back to you, Francis. What was the main lesson that you learned from this experience and what would be your advice to other farmers to prevent and to overcome the issue of pest infestation in their vegetables or fruits that they're exporting? We were one of the beneficiaries of that uh, support that was given as uh, the, the plant quarantine phytosanitary has had challenges before to help us uh, control this pest. And uh, their, their capacity in terms of uh, inspections was uh, something that was of a challenge. But from the time that uh, the support was given by the STDF, we have seen an improvement in uh, the frequency of inspections that are done, especially on the points of exit. Now they are able to do the surveys on the farm and they are able to recommend methods that we can use to eradicate the, the pest presence on the fields. So the support really had an impact on us. The lesson that we had learned from this is uh, the issue of pests has to be taken seriously if someone has to stay in the business of uh, uh, exporting vegetables. Because uh, the moth that was uh, identified there, we just discovered that it's of serious concern and may just have a negative impact, in fact, a very big impact on our business. So my advice to other farmers is to ensure that the crops that are being grown are grown in an area which is free from pests. And that can only be done by putting in necessary measures to ensure that no pests are infested in the crop. The other advice I would give is that there is need also to intensify on the pest surveys and inspections that are normally done by an independent body, in this case, which is the plant quarantine and phytosanitary service. Yeah, There's also need to be trained on how to identify these pests and put up the, the control measures that are necessary to control the pests. Thank you so much, Francis. And I think those are really, really excellent uh, ideas for small businesses, medium-sized businesses to key in, especially given that this is an important issue and food safety is definitely should be a priority. To close the curtain on the discussion, I wanted to ask you, Francis, what excites you most about your job? What is exciting about my job is that every day I get to learn new things because uh, this industry, you can never be used to it. Uh, new things come into play and I get to learn a lot of things, even things that I never imagined I could find in the industry. So it's a, a very exciting industry. And the fact that we are part of those people who are feeding the, the nation and the world, it is something that makes my heart rejoice. <laughs> Certainly. I, I want to ask you the same question, Simon. What excites you most about working in the Standard and Trade Development Facility here at the WTO? So 
I would say this uh, when we manage to see the impact of what we do on the ground. We work uh, in an office here in Geneva and we provide support to developing countries. But when we manage to see uh, the impact of our work on farmers, businesses that are able to have market access, export and increase their incomes and their standard of living, this is something that uh, makes us very proud about what we are doing. Thank you, Simon and Francis. This was a wonderful discussion and I liked your perspective on things. You are feeding the nation and the world. You're supporting the export ambitions of developing countries and you're having an impact. You're learning and you're doing new things daily. I also like that you brought into focus one of the major challenges that businesses in the agriculture sector face. And of course, that is compliance with sanitary and phytosanitary standards. These phytosanitary standards or sanitary and phytosanitary standards are crucial for food safety. And they're also a big topic of discussion at the WTO. From what I understand from what Simon say, members here at the WTO negotiate and also notify each other of how they're adhering to these sanitary and phytosanitary standards in a bid to maintain transparency in global food systems. This brings our Overcoming Obstacles to Trade podcast series to a close. We hope you enjoyed listening the series as much as we enjoyed making it. Thank you for joining us on what was a really, truly global journey, exploring obstacles that businesses across the world faced in trading. From a tiny coddling moth to a giant hunger tonga volcano, we learned about solutions from empowering women to trying out new skills. And most importantly, we got to know a group of enterprising people who will not let obstacles discourage them from expanding their businesses and trading across borders. If you want to learn more about the topics we explored, please check out the show notes on the WTO website at wto.org slash podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to Let's Talk Trade on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts.